Hey there, welcome back. I don't know why I have a southern accent right now. Okay, let me start over. Hey, (laughs) welcome back to the Clean the Stage podcast. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I know I did. I ate like an amateur. You would have thought I had never been to a meal like this before because at the end, I was practically on the floor in so much pain. And I said, who has ginger tea and who wants to go for a walk immediately? (laughs) It was like shooting pain. I needed someone to rub my back. It was just bad. And, you know, there's no reason for that because this I've, I've been to many Thanksgivings, but I hope yours was more successful. I hope you had a lot of great food, a lot of fun, some stories to tell in the future. Anyway. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. I'm also a speaker, author, and founder of the Speaking School for Women, which is an online training program for women who want to become pro speakers. And school starts again in February. If you're interested in learning more about it, you can go to my website at angelalucier.us. I also run the Speaker Sisterhood, which is a network of speaking clubs exclusively for women. And those clubs are blowing up. I could not be more excited about the popularity, the overwhelming demand, and the amazing experience the the members are having in those clubs. I'm going to tell you more about that next week, but wanted to just give you the heads up that that's coming. This show, Claim the Stage, is for courageous women who want to follow their dreams by claiming their voice. And I teach you how to do this by interviewing awesome people and sharing some of my own advice and stories. Uh, The show is sponsored by McNally Communications. They train you to get results by speaking, writing, and presenting with more impact. You can say it better, and they'll show you how. You can find them at McNallyCommunications.com. Our other sponsor is NameNetWorth, a networking consulting company that helps people improve their networking skills. They developed an app that makes networking really easy, and you can get more information at NameNetWorth.com. Okay. On today's show, you guys, we're going deep, deep, deep into the subject of public relations. And this is a confusing subject for many because if you're not in the field, you probably wonder, like, what's the difference between PR and marketing and advertising and sales and all these other things that people talk about all the time? What, what do I need to do? What's important for a speaker to focus on? How do I get PR? We're going to answer all those questions in this interview. And I just totally love Allison, my guest today, who is a PR expert. And I was introduced to her by a mutual friend who said, I don't know why you don't already know Allison, but you should know her like immediately. So she and I got together for a coffee and he was right. I totally fell in love with her. I thought she was great. And if you've been wondering about public relations and how to get more media attention and how to just get out there and be seen as an expert, you are going to love today's episode. So without further ado, my interview with Allison Podworski. Allison Podworski is the president and CEO of Allison May Public Relations. She's a former news reporter who has worked throughout the Northeast at television stations in New York, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Allison uses her expertise in journalism to educate her clients in media training and crisis communications. She has garnered coverage for her clients in media outlets such as NBC News, Fox News, MSNBC, Huffington Post, AOL.com, and The Washington 
Washington Post. She's also a moderator and keynote speaker on topics including public relations, reputation management, and social media. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is great. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show because this topic of PR is so confusing for so many <laughs> business owners. It Cause, is. Because they're like, what, what is it exactly? How is it different from other types of marketing and how do I do it? So I'm really happy to have you on the show so you can sort of set the record straight. You can tell us a little bit more, more about what it is and how to do it right. But before we jump into that, I would love to know more about you and how you got into this type of work and, and what you love. Love about it. Sure. Yeah. I um, I don't have your typical story of a business owner. A lot of my friends who started their business always wanted to do it. They, you know, collected, you know, cards and had lemonade stands and did this at a young age. Not me. I um, <laughs> actually wanted to be a television reporter since I was nine. That's what I wanted to do. I went to college for it. I went to UMass and Amherst for journalism and political science. I got an internship at um, the local NBC affiliate and got my first job there. Went over to New York and did everything from shooting my own video to reporting and editing and anchoring. Um, had an opportunity to come back to the area and worked as a reporter for the ABC affiliate. Then went on to Providence, Rhode Island um, as a reporter. And I loved it. It was just something I always wanted to do. It was something different every day. You never knew what story you were going to cover. You were a storyteller. And um, till this day, that's what I'm doing. And I love it. However, um, it's long, long hours. Um, I worked Christmas and Christmas Eve and New Year's and, um, you know, 15, 16 hour days. And, um, you know, you're standing out in the snow at four in the morning. So when I got, I got <laughs> married and I decided to have a family, uh, I said, okay, now what? Because I'm not sure I can, you know, have children and do this. And people certainly do. Um, and I give them a lot of credit because it's, it's a lot of work. So I decided it was time to get out of the business. So then, um, I sat there and said, well, now what, um, what do I do? Because all I knew was, TV and journalism. That's all I knew. Um, and usually a lot of people who get out of the TV world go into the public relations area because it's a natural transition. You're just on the other side. So instead of being the reporter, you're now pitching stories to the reporters. Um, so I moved back and got a job for a marketing firm in Massachusetts and um, had a couple of children and woke up one day and said, I think I'm going to start my own public relations firm. And I did. <laughs> I, uh, I I got my website going. I got my first client. And um, here I am a little over three years later. I still have my first client who I love and um, hopefully I'll have forever. And uh, And here I am. It's definitely a different start. But after owning my own business, I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, it's a lot more work than I ever thought it would be. But when you love what you're doing and you really, really wake up every day and enjoy it, it's it's not work. Um, mm -hmm. in my, my mind. Yeah. So yeah, here I am. <laughs> I love the why behind, you know, what makes people do things. And there were two key decisions you made one at age nine when you were like, yes. okay, <laughs> I'm going to become a reporter. And then another key decision of I'm going to start my business. And these two things seem to happen quickly. Was there a catalyst or was there a person or a moment when you were nine that made you say, this is what I want to do? Um, you know, there was a person who actually, and she's still my mentor, and I love the fact that we're still friends, uh, Brenda Garten, who used to be an anchor at Channel 22 years ago. I remember watching the news and just admiring her and for some reason saying, yeah, I really want to do what she does. And I used to, I was not your typical kid. I watched the news at night. Like, <laughs> 
when I would get in trouble, my parents would be like, Allison, we're going to not let you watch the news tonight. I mean, I'm <laughs> seriously, I really, I'm such a dork, <laughs> but, um, that's, I loved, <laughs> I loved like watching it and just like learning about all of these stories and these, you know, these different people they would interview and, you know, I don't know. So I ended up meeting Brenda at that age and told her what I wanted to do. And she kind of took me under her wing and I got to go to the TV station and see how the news was made and everything like that and kept in contact with her throughout high school and college. And then I actually had an opportunity to work with her. So here I am at nine admiring this person saying I want to be like them to then getting a job working with them. And now she's out of the business. I have an opportunity to speak to her classes every year and um, we're friends. So I think that's so cool, which goes into my the biggest thing I always tell people when they start a business or even if they're just working for somebody is to find a mentor because that is so important in any stage. If you're nine or you're 90, you need to have somebody you can go to to say, what do you think about this or how can I do this? And it has to be, it shouldn't be a family member. It shouldn't really be a friend. It should be somebody who can be really honest with you and say, you know, take you in the right direction and, you know, call you out on things and somebody you can, you know, cry to, scream to, that's not going to judge you because <laughs> you need that in every aspect of your life. So, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love that you not only found a mentor at age nine, but you sought out your hero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and really. You, and when most kids are trying to meet Santa, you're like, I want to go, <laughs> I want to meet, meet this woman on the news. And you yep. still keep in touch with her. That's a great story. And it's also a great story to help just inspire people to reach out to the people they think they probably can't, they have no oh. business reaching out to, right? You know, you never know. And I, I actually learned from somebody um, who interviews celebrities all the time. I'm like, how, how do you do that? She's like, I call. I call their PR people and I ask. It's so interesting that when you actually pick up the phone or send an email and you ask, people are so willing to, to you know give you time. They really are. And uh, you never know. Like You never know who you'll have an opportunity to, to meet or to speak with because people are, are, are very nice despite what we see you know on social media and in the in the news but uh, people really do have big hearts <laughs> yeah I totally agree I've done that too and I remember a couple years ago coming across Jeff Hoffman's TEDx video he was the founder and past CEO of Priceline.com and yeah. I just like loved his TED video so I connected with him on LinkedIn he accepted my connection request and I sent him a message and said hey I'd love to talk with you sometime he's like let's set up a call I was like really <laughs> Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I've, I've done it ever since. So I, I totally agree. And I think there's so much power in just asking the question, because if you don't ask the question, the def, the answer is definitely no. Yeah. You'll never know. <laughs> the second key decision you made was waking up one morning and deciding I'm going to start my own business. Was there something that happened to you or was it something that was like a long time coming? I know you say you didn't have a lemonade stand as a kid, but how did that moment come to you? Um, I, you know, I, I think that when I was working at the marketing firm, I was doing a lot of different jobs and I really wanted to just focus on public relations. And so, um, you know, having three children really changes things because you, you have to be more flexible. And I don't know if it was just, you know, the guilt that I had that I had to call out of work because my kids were sick or whatever it may be. Um, there really wasn't like one moment where it was the deciding factor. I mean, I literally woke up and it was just, I, it was an idea that came to my head and I thought, I can do this. I know PR. I, I know this market. I know how to pitch stories. I know the media. 
So let's do this. And when I (laughs) when I started it, I really wanted it to just kind of be a small thing. I said, I just need a handful of clients. You know, I'll work part time. I'll raise the kids. And um, it started to grow faster than I thought it would. And I actually enjoyed it. And I went from I just want this to be part time to wow, I'm ready to take this to the next level. And I'm I want to hire people. And I want to I want to have offices in in multiple states and I want to be going to, you know, MSNBC and CNN with clients. So it went from like little, little one client to, you know, a completely different business plan. I must have revised my business plan about three times in the last three years because my goals changed. And, um, I I don't, I don't know how I got there, but I just, maybe it was that I really enjoyed what I, what I was doing and said, I can actually really make a difference and I can help people get the word out. Um, because there's so many stories that companies and people have that, um, they're not, they're not sharing and it's hard to share your own stories, but if you have somebody out there, you know, um, being your cheerleader and and sharing them out, it's amazing, you know, what, what positive uh, media exposure can do for you or your business. So here I am. <laughs> and it's so it's so motivating as a business owner to know that the work you're doing is changing lives for your business owners and for their clients. So it almost becomes more inspiring to do your work because you know it's effective and you're creating yeah. these results. Yeah. That's awesome. So before we go further into the interview, can you define what PR is and how it's different from advertising, sales, and sure. other types of marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people do think, you know, PR is advertising or marketing and it does it kind of, it is in that realm. It's, you know, I always say there's a puzzle and you have your PR, you have your marketing, your advertising, and they all need to work together. But PR really helps create the perception of a company or a person and it builds credibility and a reputation. So the goal of PR is to create an audience and an awareness about the company product or person. So it includes what you're doing as a company, you know, um, understanding and telling the public, you know, about your product, about your idea, about, you know, the, the difference you're making. And then, you know, with PR, you have to convince the, the press to do a story on you. So when you have press exposure, you're not paying for it. So th- you're really letting the journalist tell your story. It's a third party sharing out your story um, versus you putting an advertisement out there to say, buy our product or hire me or I'm the best because you're telling people you're the best. But when somebody else tells people why you're the expert or why, you know, your company is doing, you know, something different than the others, um, it just adds so much more credibility. Um, you know, the perception becomes reality. So PR, it's not paid placement, it's free media. And that's what we always tell people is yes, you're paying, you know, your PR person or you're paying your internal PR people. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can get a story on the local news and the, then that can take off and go in several different markets that the, the, other, the other TV stations pick up. It can make national news just by doing this small local story. Um, and then all of a sudden you have hundreds of thousands of people who, who have seen you. Um, so, you know, where advertising is more of the paid placement and marketing is more of, you know, trying to drive people to, you know, your company or, you know, to your website. What are some of the popular misconceptions about PR? Um, something I hear all the time is, is all press is good press. And um, a lot of press is good press, obviously. But, you know, uh, there is a time that you don't want press. I mean, obviously, if you're a business owner and you're arrested or something really negative happens with your company, um, you don't want that type of press. It's really hard to turn that around. 
Um, so we try and do what we can to control the media. Um, a lot of people think that public relations experts are able to tell the reporters what to say, how to do the story. We can't give them questions. We can't tell them how to write the story. We can try and make sure we're there and, and, and set up the interview and kind of, you know, help the reporters with any sort of like extra information we can give them. We try and steer them in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it's the reporter who's going to do the story. So, you know, we can't, I mean, maybe some PR people do, but luckily I have a good relationship with the media. But if there's a story that airs and, um, you know, the name is spelled incorrectly or they happen to, you know, say their title incorrectly, I'm not going to call up the media and ask them to redo the story because of that. And But, but people think we have that ability to. And so um, we can't control what the media says. We can try and, and craft the message. But um, yeah, we unfortunately, if we tried to do that, we would not be having any sort of relationship with the media. And that's a fine line. And, you know, a lot of journalists will say they don't like working with, with PR people because sometimes PR folks can be really pushy and they don't let the reporters do their jobs. But me being on the other side knows, like, you have to let the reporter go. Let them do the job. You know, and it gets tricky when there's some sort of crisis that's happening. You know, you really have to try and control uh, what the what goes out to the media. So um, those are the two big misconceptions about PR. Interesting. So as far as the storytelling goes and putting together the right facts and the right details, is that part of your job or, or why do people typically hire you? Yeah. So that that's my job is to kind of craft the message in the story. So I would work with a client and, um, for example, say, I'll just use an easy thing. Say they were doing a, you know, a fundraiser for breast cancer. Um, you know, I sit down with them and say, all right, so you're having a walk. That's great. Everybody else is having a walk. What's different? What can we give the media, we need a story. So can you give me somebody who's been walking in this walk for five years and, or somebody who's, you know, survived breast cancer and, you know, comes here every year, or we need, we need a story other than that you're having a fundraiser and you're having a walk. So I work with my clients and trying to get them to open up and give me something different. So when I'm putting it together and sending the story idea to the media, I can say, here's what I have. You know, we have this event, it's, ha- you know, the who, what, when, where, and why, but I have this woman, she's 80 years old, she's been walking for the last five years, she lost two of her sisters to breast cancer, and you know she continues to raise money and be here, and here's her story. So it's adding that extra element in there other than the general press release, because me knowing what the media is looking for, um, I'm able to kind of work with the client to craft that message. Because if they just send something about, you know, we're having a walk, we hope to raise money, it's really the media gets a lot of those, so we need to set them set themselves apart. So the media wants to come and cover it. What what constitutes a good angle? It sounds like there's a human interest story in there. Yeah, usually it is. It's human interest. And, and you know, the reporters, whether the print or the radio or their TV, they're all thinking, why are the why is the public going to want to read this story, click on this link, listen to the interview? So they're always thinking what is in it for their viewers? So we have to think, okay, why is, how can we draw them in? So a human interest story obviously is always very important. Um, what's the benefit to the public? So for example, if you are a speaker and you're talking about, um, I'm just trying to think you're talking about the, you know, the value of humor and, and how humor can actually help heal people. And so how do you get that speaker, you know, press, So you do some research on stats and you find out that 
perhaps maybe, you know, more people who have laughed when they were sick, you know, had an easier, they recovered faster. You try and bring in some actual news to the story. So the news, because you always hear recent stats say, or recent studies, or, you know, so you try and take what's going on in the news and, and, con- and combine that with an expert and how they can speak to the media and say, yeah, you know what, we go and we, we make people laugh in the hospital rooms. And, you know, recent studies show that, you know, those who laugh, you know, have a shorter hospital stay. So you try and kind of combine human interest with some stats and, and numbers that the media is going to cover and, and you give them the expert. And, and many business owners and speakers and authors probably are already have that information, I would think, yeah. to create you know a need for what they're doing. So it's just a matter of tying those things together. Absolutely. So if a business owner or a speaker wanted to work with you, would that just be a matter of like giving you a pile of files and saying, look through that and see what you can find? <laughs> or like, what, <laughs> what, what's the process like? Yeah, so we meet and um, I kind of just do an audit. I ask them a lot of questions just as a reporter would. Um, you know, what have you done? What are you doing? Um, tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. I need to know everything um, because, you know, my whole thing, you know, I always say, you know, you're a business owner, so you probably have your accountant, you have your attorney. And think of your PR person as, as part of that because anything you're going to tell them, you should really be telling your PR um, folks because we need to know everything. So I really just kind of interview them, um, you know, and usually by interviewing them, you know, about their business, about what they're doing, I'm able to find stories in that, you know, and some, a lot of times, you know, something that they think is not a a big, you know, a, a big deal is a story, whatever that case may be, whether it's, you know, industry related news that they are involved in, or if it's the mainstream media. So I ask a lot of questions, um, And then it's just kind of, you know, constant communication. Tell me, you know, who have you hired? Have you fired anyone? Any awards? What projects are you working on? Where will you be speaking? Um, You know, and a lot is on them, too. And I think that's another actually going back to another misconception. People think that they have a public relations expert and that everything is on them. But we really need the client to, to give us as much information as possible because they live and breathe their industry where we can pitch the story and we can reach out to the reporters, but they know what's going on. So if, if you, you know, are an accountant, you know what laws are coming down, you know the regulations. So you have to let us know so we can say to the media, hey, there's this new, you know, law that's happening and the business owners need to know about this and we have this expert who can talk about it. So we really do rely a lot on them to communicate with us and give us the information and then we can decide that's, yeah, that's a story or yeah, no, the media is not going to do anything with that. Hmm. So part of your job is training your clients to, to yes. know what's newsworthy and to keep you in the loop. Absolutely. Yeah. So oh, that's good to know. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see in PR or, you know, in the messages that are going out there that maybe aren't getting picked up? Um, I think that sometimes the companies will think that sometimes the story should all be all about them. So what I always try and explain is sometimes, especially if we're pitching you as an expert. So I have a, a a, um, an exercise physiologist. She owns a, uh, a local fitness facility and she, we pitch her all the time to talk about topics that are relevant. So we're trying to get her in the media to talk about how to not to gain those typical five pounds during the holiday season. So I work with her on that. And so the news will do an overall story, but they may only use 10 seconds of her interview and say, you know, so-and-so of this facility, you know, says to do this. And so what we have to explain to them is the news is normally not going to do 
overall story about you, especially local news. And you're going to be a part of the story. And it, they will spend, you know, sometimes 20 minutes with you and ask you all these questions and you're getting 10 seconds on TV. But that's okay because you're part of the story and you're the expert. So it's just kind of educating them that it's not all about you because then that's not really the story unless it's a more of a human interest story. But if you're an expert, you're a speaker, they're really going to go to you for that, you know, 10 second soundbite of, of what advice do you give? And then, so you're part of it. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much like what I try and explain to my clients. And, um, they have to also think outside of their bubble. And that's where we come in because they're so in, involved in their business and everything they do, they think is great, which is, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. fabulous. I <laughs> mean, but what we need to do is say, but do you think that other people will care about that? And so we kind of have to, you know, just work with them on that. I always say we're kind of like their counselors too, or their psychologists because there's so many different hats that we wear, but it's just trying to, you know, reel them in and say, all right, I know that this is great, but I don't think that the media is going to care about that. And that's nothing against them. But, you know, MSNBC is not going to come and cover the fact that you got this like local award. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think your your parenting skills much must, must come in handy in those moments because it's a little yes. bit of tough love and reality yeah. check time. Yeah. Sometimes I some of my clients, we got to take a time out. I mean, it's. <laughs> Uh, I had to meet one of mine at a, at a restaurant last week because he was ready to like walk off a ledge and I'm like, I'll be right there. Calm down. We'll take, we'll manage this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so if a speaker had, let's say a speaker has a, um, a speaking gig coming up that's open to the public that they want to promote, uh, through media outlets, what are some of the best ways for them to do that so that they can actually be featured and get the word out about what they're doing? Yeah, they have to so think outside the box, do something different. I mean, you can certainly, social media is great. I, I thank God for social media. It makes PR jobs a lot easier because you really can get the word out just yourself on social media through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Do Facebook Lives. So a lot of times, you know, do a, do a Facebook Live about what's going on because anybody who follows you on Facebook is going to see that. So you can get them pumped up about the event coming up. Um, you know, just think of a different angle other than that you're speaking at an event. Again, think about why would their viewers care? Why why would they want to come and cover it? The hardest thing um, for events or for speakers is to get the press to cover the event before it happens, the pre-press, which is ideally what you want because then you can get more people to, you know, show up. But that that's newspapers. You have a little bit more of an opportunity there. But for TV, um you know, and even radio, it's, it, it's hard to get that pre-press, but even if you get them to show up at the event, then, you know, here you are and you're in the media, you have that video, you put it on your website, you put it out on social media. Um, once you do get that press, I always say, make sure you share it out on social media, tag the reporter, tag the media outlet. Um, if the videographer has social media, tag them as well. And, you know, um, a lot of times the TV station or the media outlet will reshare it. They'll retweet it. Um, so then all of their their um, followers are seeing it and send a thank you card. That's my biggest thing, because these reporters, usually the only time they hear from people is when they want something or they want to complain. And very rarely do they get thank you cards and um, nice comments. So if you can take the time to do a personalized thank you card, you're going to really, you know, stick, stick with those reporters because again, they make, especially in this market, they don't make any money. They work a lot of hours and 
Social media is very, very harsh on them, especially the women. I mean, they get scrutinized for the dress they wear. And so fortunately, when I was in the media, social media was just starting. I didn't have to deal with that. I would get letters every once in a while or people in the grocery store saying, oh, you're prettier in person or you're thinner in person. But social media, people just, I mean, the most beautiful reporters, you you know, will get these really, really nasty comments um, because people can hide behind the, the, you know, the, the laptop. So anything you can do to strengthen a relationship with a reporter and just make them, you know, um, feel that like you actually care about their stories and you're, you're very um, thankful for them covering it. It's going to go a long, long way. Are there other ways that that's great advice. Are there other ways to stay in touch with a reporter after they, they run a story on you? You sent the thank you card and now how do you keep in touch with them without being annoying? So when you, whenever you have, uh, and again, think about like, would they cover it? So if you typically, you know, speak, say, 10 times a month in this area, you don't want to send them, you know, updates on where you are and what you're doing all of those times. But if there's something bigger or something different, they, they love getting stories pitched to them, you know, personally, because what happens is a lot of times when you're pitching to the media, it goes to the assignment editors, like it's like they're kind of like the gatekeeper, they're the main person who gets all of the press releases and the story ideas. And then they kind of like, um, me and then they decide who's covering what. But once you have a relationship with a reporter, absolutely you, you can email them. They love that because they can then go to the newsroom and say, I have this story. It's this contact I made. I think this will be a good, you know, a good fit. So, you know, reach out to them. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing too is on social media, share out the other stories that the reporters are doing, not just on you, but other things. Comment on it, share it, like it, show them some love because that will really go go far. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, one question I've always had is if I just send a press release to a random reporter who I see handles business stories for a certain new- newspaper, does that person then receive my email and bring it to a news meeting and say, Hey, I got this press release today. Should we run it? Or is it like, do you know what the process is like behind yeah. the scenes? Yep. So you're, you're absolutely correct. So if you, if you sent it to like a, you know, news at WW, whatever, um, that will go to the assignment editor, like that gatekeeper. But if you also sent it to the reporter, same thing, they all, they have, um, morning meetings. So in TV world, they have a morning meeting, um, at like 10, nine o'clock or 10. And then they, um, so that's when all the reporters come in and they kind of discuss what they're going to cover. So yeah, anytime reporters get story ideas, they bring it to the meeting and same thing with the assignment editor. Um, and then they have night side. So you've got your daytime crew that has their meeting and then you have your nighttime crew which is the three to eleven shifts so then they have an afternoon meeting as well um, i mean the best time to pitch stories are first thing in the morning seven eight nine o'clock in the morning you want to get those stories in before they have the, those meetings i mean ideally you want to pitch the story a couple days before whatever is happening so they can plan it out but then you also want to follow up that the day of um, so you don't want to just send it once, but you don't want to stalk them. So send it a couple of days before and then, you know, send an email, a reminder, you know, the day of, um, you know, and you certainly can pick up the phone too and call and say, Hey, because what happens is they do get hundreds of press releases a day. So, you know, sometimes it gets lost. Um, you know, but when you have that relationship with the reporter, it's more apt to, to get discussed in the morning meeting because the reporter's walking it in. Hmm. Do you think it's better to write a press release or to just send a pitch with the the details and say, if you want more information, happy to talk? I think it depends. I think sometimes, so for example, if you have an event, 
Um, I would do a press release because it kind of lays out the who, what, when, where, and why. But if you, for example, say, hmm, okay, I'll just use, so Instagram recently just came out with um, new like live video they're doing that just was a, came out yesterday. So if you're a social media expert and you want the media to talk to you about like, well, what does this mean? You wouldn't really send a press release. You would really do more of a pitch, something like, you know, um, you know, as you know, Instagram just released its new live video capabilities. So and so social media experts available to talk about X, Y and Z. And you just kind of lay out some bullet points. So when it's very timely and newsworthy, you don't need to spend the time doing a press release. But if it's more of like an event that's happening um, or like an, a company announcement, um, then you can do a press release. Okay. So let's say you pitch your social media expert on the Instagram updates and someone from the TV station says, I want to interview that person. Mm -hmm. You offer uh, media training, right? So what are some of the tips you would offer your client so that they look like they know what they're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that we would do media. So when I work with my clients, I would do that obviously like well before I'm pitching them because I want to make sure that they're ready to go if the reporter decides that they want to, um, you know, do the story. So that would happen a little bit before, but you know, one of the things we always tell clients and people don't understand this is that if you're pitching somebody, like if I were to pitch my social media client this morning, the news is going to want to do something today, not tomorrow, not tonight, most likely within the next like hour or so. (laughs) So we always tell clients like be ready. So if it's casual Friday in your office, make sure you don't want to wear jeans then have an outfit ready to go. If you're a woman, make sure you keep extra makeup with you because you may have had like a a bad day getting ready. So you want to like all those things that you don't think about, just think about having extra things at your office. Um, But we also just work with them on like making sure they're comfortable in front of the camera. So we'll do role playing beforehand and I'll, I'll be the reporter. We'll set a camera and we'll film and then we'll go back and we'll look at it. And it's painful for them because nobody likes to really see themselves on camera, but it's so helpful because I'll say, look at what you're doing. You're tilting your head or you're saying, um, or like, and so we really work on that. I mean, just like, you know, you do with speakers, it's really training somebody to speak, to speak in front of the public. It's just they're speaking in front of a camera. And then we also work with them on answering the question so it's not just a yes or no um, answer. They're elaborating. They're using their energy. They, you know, um, are excited about what they're talking about. And, um, yeah, so it's a lot of role playing and training. Yeah. And probably helping them stay focused on the message they really want to send. Because it's it's probably so easy to get off into the weeds. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So if a speaker has a limited budget and wants to get media attention, is there like, where's the best place to start? Yeah. I mean, they certainly educate. So educate yourself. There's so much online. Um, there's a lot of like, even if you just Google like PR on a budget or tips on how to get press releases, there's a lot of great information out there. That's kind of like the five tips on how to write a press release. Um, you know, just search, go on LinkedIn, connect with PR experts, go follow them on Twitter, um, social media. They're always putting out video blogs or blogs. And, um, you know, you really can learn a lot from that. It takes work, but you know, when you have a limited budget, it, it makes sense. It's something that you can do at, you know, nine o'clock at night when you're, you know, not wanting to do your actual work anymore. And it's kind of a nice distraction. Um, and then just start establishing a relationship with the local reporters. Same thing, you know, as I said, start following them on social media, commenting on their stories, introduce yourself, you know, just through a quick email. Hey, 
Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm based in, you know, Massachusetts or Connecticut. Here's what I talk about. If you're ever looking for an expert on this, you know, it doesn't hurt just to introduce yourself because, you know, when the time comes, if they are looking for a story, they're going to keep you in mind. So there's definitely ways to do it yourself. And then, you know, when you're ready, you can, you know, hire a team when you're traveling all across the country and, and, and you need a team, but there's definitely ways to do it. Um, you know, which is, uh, it's very effective. A lot of people do it themselves, especially when you first get started because there's no budget, you know, you have to do everything yourself. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times throughout this interview, the word expert. And I know that's kind of like a trigger word for a lot of women who, who no, no matter how far along they are and probably men too in their industry, because they wonder, am I an expert? Am I yeah. a guru? Do I know enough to be, you know, the one who's sourced in this article or, or um, story. Do you ever give your clients advice on how to think of themselves as an expert if they don't feel like they are? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, people will ask me for, you know, to be quoted. I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, so you, everybody is an expert. If you are successful in your business, then you are an expert. And I think it's, it's perception. So there's, you could, you know, have 500 speakers out there, but maybe only five or six of them are actually pitching themselves to the media. So I think it's just creating that, um, you know, the confidence and, and, you know, I was, I'm a woman and there are times that I lack confidence. It's, it's hard to, to, you know, have that confidence to say, yes, I am an expert, but everybody is an expert. It's just a matter of telling the media that you are, because once you're in there being quoted as an expert, then technically, you know, in the, in the public's eye, you are. So it's just, it's getting out there once or twice to be quoted as an expert. And you are, I mean, everybody is an expert. Nobody wants to share that they're an expert because (laughs) every, you know, and there's two things. People are very busy doing their, their job, you know, helping their clients or speaking or their customers. So, it's hard to set that aside and focus on building your own business and your own brand. I am, you know, I have to redo my website. It's been on my list for six months and I haven't gotten to it because I'm focused on my clients. And that's what a lot of business owners and speakers deal with that um, they'll get to themselves later. But if you don't work on building your brand and yourself, then you're, you're only doing yourself a disservice um, because the more you build yourself up in the media, the more you build your brand, the more speaking engagements you you will get the more clients will come to you so it's it's a hard balance but um it's got to just get that confidence and if you don't have it fake it fake it till you make it (laughs) yeah before we jump into the lightning round do you have any last pieces of pr advice um yeah it's not it's uh it's a marathon it's not a sprint so um don't get discouraged if you pitch to the media and you don't get anywhere um i have friends who are producers at major networks and they say sometimes they themselves even have to pitch a story to the executive producers dozens and dozens of times. So you could send out, I mean, we do it all the time. I just yesterday, I probably sent a pitch to, I don't know, 500 producers. And I actually did hear back from two, which was like, oh my gosh, this is great. But a lot of times I don't. And it's not that it's not a good story. It's not that it's not a good fit. It's just sometimes it just doesn't happen and it takes time. So don't give up if you are sending things and the media doesn't pick it up. Take a look at, you know, how you're pitching. Maybe it needs to be tweaked a little bit. Maybe you need to switch it up. And, and we do that occasionally because we're like, well, this is a good story. Why aren't they doing it? So sometimes we just need to tweak up that, that a headline or the, the subject line or something. Um, 
And make sure that when you are pitching to the media that your website, all your social media is up to date. You have a lot of content out there because if the media does actually open up your pitch and start reading into it, they're going to Google you. They're going to go on all of your social media platforms and your website. So if it's outdated and you haven't updated anything, then they're going to be like, well, this person really isn't an expert. Like, I don't know what they're doing. So make sure your content is, uh, is up to speed and, uh, and, and you look like that expert that you're pitching yourself to be. Yeah. Consistency is so important. Yep. That's great advice. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump into the lightning round. We have five right. quick questions. Okay. Number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Be confident. Confidence is key. And a lot of times, you know, um, a, a lot of women and men are not confident, but if you can come off as confident, like I said, fake it till you make it. I swear the more times you fake it, you will all of a sudden be confident and you won't have to fake it anymore. You're going to believe it. And it's just, it's experience. It's just getting out there and doing it. And if you need to sit there in front of a mirror and talk for an hour a night and just like (laughs) pretend you're speaking, pretend you're talking to the media, like, or if you need, you know, and it goes to the find that mentor, that mentor can help build you up because, you know, sometimes you just don't have anybody to talk to. You know, if you have employees, you can't like complain to them. You know, your spouse may not understand what you're going through and your friends don't get it. So you need that mentor to like kind of be your therapist to build you up and be like, no, 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 you're good at what you do. Have you not seen, you know, how far you've come? So confidence, number one thing, especially for women. Awesome. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Go with your gut. I just don't think it ever, it's never proven me wrong. I just, you know, sometimes I say this just isn't the right decision or I don't think we should do this. And, um, I just go with your gut. It's something simple, but I truly believe in that. I love that. And it's, it's so simple (laughs) yet. It's like the hardest thing to do. It is. Yeah. It is. (laughs) To second guess yourself, but I think you're totally right. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? Work your butt off. Um, you have to work. I swear you have to work harder now than you did when I was 25. Um, you know, you have to do what everyone else is not doing. So if you are, um, trying to work nine to five, then you'll be fine. You can work nine to five, but if you really want to get outside the box and do something different, you have to, sometimes you can't go out on Friday nights. Sometimes you have to work. Sometimes you have to, you know, take part in nonprofits that, you know, are meaningful to you instead of going to the bars. You know, you have to do, if you want to succeed, you, you just, you got to work. You got to work really, really hard because you know what? I think the 25 year olds, the millennials, and there's so much, you know, negativity and, and so many, you know, they, they have the stereotype that they don't want to work hard. So they have that going against them. So they have to, you know what, prove everyone wrong and say, yeah, I'm a millennial, but look at, I'm working my butt off. I'm not lazy. And you know, you want to work with me and you want to hire me because I'm a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Number four, what advice do you have for your 75 year old self? Uh, um, you know, you're never too old to achieve success. Same thing. Do what everyone else is not doing. Um, you know, you can be 75 or 95. You can decide to sit on the couch or you can decide to make a difference. I just think like life is too short. You got to keep going and do, do the things that make you happy. Don't ever give up. Yeah. And number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Oh my gosh, this is a tough one. I've been asking everyone this question. Um, (laughs) I, I think, you know, I would say a, maybe a branch on a willow tree. Um, I may bend, but I don't break. Oh, that's so nice. I love willow trees. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> They're so relaxing. Um, and lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? 
You know, I think if you can make an impact on one person, so claiming the stage, meaning if you're, you know, working with your team or if you're speaking or if you're in the media, if you can help impact just one person, to me, that means claiming the stage. You don't need to impact a hundred people, but if you can make a difference in one person's life, I, you know, I recently got a, a letter from somebody who said that they went to grad school because they were following my video blogs and they thought that, you know, they really wanted to advance their career in PR. And I was like, oh my God, like I never thought that I would impact anyone, let alone <laughs> have somebody want to go and continue their education in PR just because of my video blogs. But, um, you can make a difference that's in one person's life. Totally. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Oh gosh, no. I mean, just have that confidence and just, you know, just believe that you can do anything you put your mind to. I never thought I would own a business. I never thought that I would be, you know, doing the things I'm doing and, um, and working with such a great team and like loving that I wake up every morning and like loving my job. I never, ever thought that. So just, you know, re make your goals and, and go for it. And it doesn't matter how old you are or what situation you're in, just one thing at a time. Yeah. How can we get more information about you? I, I follow you on Instagram and I love all the um, inspirational quotes you put up and I think everyone should follow you. So where oh, can we find thank you? you. <laughs> yeah. So um, my website is AllisonMayPR.com, Facebook, um, and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat are all Allison May PR. So A-L-I-S-O-N-M-A-Y-P-R. And um, yeah, so we, we do a lot of behind the scenes on Snapchat, a lot of, um, you know, things of when we're with the media and we try and give as many tips as possible, um, you know, for, for business owners and for people who are just trying to get the word out and do it themselves too, because um, we're big believers in, in educating and providing value and, and content um, to folks who want to get some media exposure. That's awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. You've, you've, I've learned a lot and I know <laughs> that, um, you know, the women who take my speaking school and, and other listeners who are interested in getting their name out there, building their credibility and visibility, definitely appreciate all of your tips and tricks you've learned along the way. Cause it, it can be a confusing sort of world to operate in and navigate. And I think you've, you've really answered some good questions. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. This was great. Well, there you have it, my friends, my interview with Allison Podworski. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Please consider rating it and leaving a review if you're listening on iTunes. It's super simple and your review will help more people to find the show. Thank you in advance if you take the time to do that. And if you're not already on my mailing list, be sure to scoot, run, jump, skedaddle, maybe even skip over to angelalucier.us to sign up. You'll get special offers, public speaking tips, and updates I only share via email. So thanks again to our sponsors, McNally Communications. You can say it better. They'll show you how at mcnallycommunications.com. And Name Net Worth, a networking consulting company that helps people improve their networking skills. They developed an app that makes networking really easy, and you can find them at namenetworth.com. That's it for me, folks. As always, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.